Amen. Good morning, everybody. It is good to worship uh, together. For those of you that are wondering who in the world uh, I am, if you are new, my name's John, and believe it or not, I work here. I am employed here. Uh, I happen to be your campus pastor, and let me just say this. It is really good to be back. It is really good to see you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, if you're unaware, I've been away for the last couple months on this fancy thing called a sabbatical, uh, which pastors tend to do about once every seven years or so, and had an opportunity to do that. And so uh, it was fun to come in this morning and see a lot of familiar faces, but also some new faces as well. In fact, in the first five minutes that I walked back in here uh, today after being gone for three months, the first person that walked up to me said, hi, and I didn't have you know my name tag on or anything or my microphone, and they didn't know me from Adam. And so uh, they just you know handed me a bulletin and said, Hey, are, welcome. Are you new here? Uh, I, and I said, yes, I actually am uh, after being away for a while. So it's good to see the church continue to grow, continue to be uh, the church as well. So um, if, you're, if you're new to our community, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm new today as well. So we're in the same boat. We are so glad uh, that you are here. So that's kind of basically been what I've been doing is just hanging out and resting and getting refueled and filled up uh, and, and doing what I believe is the most important two things that we can do in our lives. With all of our time, no matter what you do, no matter what you accomplish, no matter uh, the accolades or the titles or the positions that you have, they will never outweigh the two most important things that you and I are called to do with our lives. And number one is to love our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one, yes, to love your neighbors yourself, that goes along with that, but closely after that is to love your family. If you're married, to love your spouse, to love your family the people that God has put around you, your close friends, the people that God has placed in your life? Are you loving God and are you loving the people that he's put around you today? More, more than anything else, nothing could be more important than that. Our number one job is to stay filled up and that's what I've been trying to do over the last couple months. I've also had the opportunity to do a little bit of traveling, uh, to visit some other churches, which I normally don't get an opportunity to do because we're here, obviously, all weekend, and that's a good thing. But uh, visited about nine or ten different churches just to see what God is doing uh, out there. And let me just say that we are so blessed with what God is doing here uh, at Hope. But it's fun to see what's going on out there, as well as just do some visioning and do some dreaming about uh, what the future of our church is, is going to be like. That's kind of one of my key roles on staff here is to, is to dream and to vision about what two years might look like or five years or, or even 10 years. Or can you imagine? I, I geek out about this stuff. I don't know if you do, but like 20 years from now, what is God going to be doing at Hope Des Moines? What is he going to be doing here? I hope that you get excited about that because God is on the move. And I wanted to tell you this, and I, I absolutely mean this. I absolutely mean this. I've had a lot of time to think about it. There is nowhere else I'd rather be. And I have never been more excited to be your pastor. I have never been more excited about what God is doing in this place. And I cannot wait to see what he's going to do here, uh, even just this year. We're starting a preschool, oh, by the way, right? You know, just little things. So, you know, all these things that are coming up, I've never been more excited. Uh, so I want to say, before I go further to I want to say a huge thank you uh, to Amanda Neppel, our discipleship director, who did an incredible job leading you these past few months. Thank God for her. Um, that is not an easy, uh, easy thing to step into and just say, well, now you're in charge. But we have an incredible team. It's not just Amanda, but our incredible team that has surrounded her and, and myself that, that does so many things that you will never know behind the scenes. And if anything, these last few months are a reminder uh, that the church is not about me. Hope Des Moines is not about John Annenson. Hope Des Moines has never been about me. It will never be about me. And as a matter of fact, it's not about you. 
I'm meaning you personally, any one of us. Church is not about an individual. Church is about us as a community. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am. It's not about a building. It's not about budgets. It's not about money. It's, it's not about who's on stage. It's about the fact that we are gathered together as a community in Jesus' name. And so I want to thank you as well. I want to thank you for being the kind of church that understands the importance of staying filled up. Self-care is never a selfish thing because you are the only you that we have. And we need you. We need every single one of you. Just every single one of you is just as important as the next person sitting next to you. We need you. And so we need you to stay filled up. A congregation is only as healthy as its individual members. And so we want you to take care of yourself. Rest and, and, and taking care of your heart is not just for pastors and leaders. It's for all of us. Every single one of us is called to take care of our hearts. So thank you for being the kind of church that under, understands that. If anything, over the last couple months, and maybe you've realized this yourself too, but we all need reminders. I've just reminded over and over, I am human. <laughs> yes, pastors are human. I am human. I am broken. And I am in need of a constant reminder to get filled up by God. I am in need of a constant reminder that nothing, nothing, and hear me say this, nothing is more important than being with Jesus. We get so busy. We get so distracted. Our schedules get so filled up. Everything in your life is going to flow from your relationship with Jesus. Notice I didn't say doing things for God. Notice I didn't say being busy. Notice I didn't say joining eight Bible studies and being here every night of the week. Are you taking care of yourself? Over and over the last couple months, God just kept saying, John, how are you? How's your heart? How's your heart? And I want to ask you that this morning as well. How are you really? Like, behind the church masks, the, fake, the fakeness that we put on sometimes to try to cover up what's really going inside, I'm up here on the stage saying, I don't have it all together, and there's a lot of questions and doubts that I have. And God says, John, I, wanna, I, I, I care for you. You. Yes, God loves the world, but he loves you. And he cares about your heart, not just, oh, did you have a good day or a bad day, but like, how is your heart this morning? Is there joy in your soul? Is there passion and excitement in your life? Do you feel connected to God? Are you experiencing intimacy with him on a daily basis? Or is it just kind of a routine, a religion, a ritual, something you do on Sunday mornings? Every single day, like Jed said, we have the opportunity to worship him with our lives. How's your heart? One of the questions about the heart is, do you know who you are? Could you, could you tell me who you are apart from your job, apart from what you do? God just hammered that home in my heart over and over again these last couple months to where I hope that I can say when somebody asks who you are, I don't lead with I'm a pastor because first and foremost, I am a son of God. I am a son of the living God. You are sons and daughters of the living God. I am a follower of Jesus Christ and that is the most important thing in my life more than anything else that I do. And somewhere after that is doing ministry. But knowing who we are, how is your heart this morning. In fact, one of the, the wisest men to have ever live, King Solomon, way back in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs, writes about the importance of this. And let's read this together from chapter 4 up on the screen. And I apologize for those of you that are on this side of the worship center today. Our, our um, Rio de Janeiro skit is in the way here. Sorry about that. So do the best you can today. We apologize for that. But let's read this together. Above all else, guard your heart. 
for it is the wellspring of life. See what's highlighted there? Above all else. I think if we're honest, some of us look under the hood of our car a little bit more often than we check the condition of our heart. How are you? How is your heart? How is your identity? Is it rooted in him? One of our, well, my son, Caleb, my three-year-old son, Caleb's favorite toys right now is this doctor's kit, this Fisher-Price doctor's kit, and he loves this stethoscope, although he has no clue how to use it, uh, as most kids uh, don't, and that's half the fun. So he puts it on, not like this, but like this, uh, around his neck, and then what he loves to do is, like, if, if we're sick or we're tired or, you know, Evie fell down and bumped her head or something happened to him, he'll go up to us, and he won't place it here on our chest, he puts it on our knee or our leg or our toe or our tush or the back of our head or something, anywhere where you're supposed, uh, not supposed to put it. And he thinks that if you push this little red button, which makes the heartbeat noise in there, which is pretty cool, then everything will be better. So he comes up to me and says, Daddy, I'm going to fix you. And he puts this on me and just pumps it about four or five times, then takes it off and goes, and, he's, oh, and then you take off your microphone and he says, now you're all better. It's just that easy, right? I wish it was only that easy, right? Stethoscopes are amazing things. The inventor of the stethoscope once said, if you use this device correctly and you listen to your patients, they'll tell you how to heal them. I was thinking about that this morning, not just in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if we could find a stethoscope that, like, not just could hear like physically what's going on inside of you, but just know what's going inside of, of, of every person, what you're feeling, and, and every object. Wouldn't it be cool if we could just take a, find a stethoscope that could do that? Well, boy, we're in luck this morning. Some really smart people, they invented one. And one day, this guy just found it laying on the street. Take a look. All right, how about that? Isn't that amazing? Don't you want one? Wow. Okay, so maybe it's a little cheesy, but... You get the point, right? That video actually ends. It's a commercial for something else that we don't need to advertise, but it's a really good video. And uh, it ends with a guy putting it on like that and then putting it on his own heart. And you're kind of left to wonder, you know, like, if this was on you, what, what would we hear this morning? Not just what song would we hear, but like, what's really going on? Loneliness. Exhaustion, stress, fear about the future, relationship struggles, maybe just apathy. <laughs> you just have this indifference towards God. Wouldn't it be great if there was like a spiritual stethoscope, like a God stethoscope that he could, we could just know what's really going on? Well, one of the amazing things about God's word, about that Bible that you're holding in front of you this morning, is that not only do we read it, because it's God's word, the Bible reads us. It's, scripture says it's like a mirror, and when we look into it, we see how broken and imperfect and how in need of a Savior we really are. So the good news is, no matter what you're feeling this morning, no matter what you brought in with you, God wants to fill you up with his joy and with his life and with his love. And he's asking you this morning, how's your heart? Let's tend to your heart. Let's talk about you this morning. And maybe today is the day to get refocused. You've drifted away. It's time to get realigned and make him the number one priority of your life. God's word is so practical. God says, guard your, guard your heart. Why would he do that? Because everything else flows from it including something as practical as money, as your finances. And that's where we're going to focus our time today. So if you have your Bibles, if you're not there, turn to Luke chapter 12, and we're going to hang out there for a while today. Luke chapter 12, 
verse 16. We're continuing a series that we kicked off last week called There's an App for That. And no, this isn't an app for your iPhone. It's a different kind of app that God's Word has practical apps or application for our lives. And so we're talking about last week, we talked about family and marriage and relationships. This week, we're talking about money, believe it or not. I know everybody's favorite topic, and I couldn't wait to come back for sabbatical to preach about money and to beat you over the head and make you feel really guilty. No, that is not my job today. But, however, uh, our passage is about that, and we can't ignore it. So we, we dig into it, and what we see is that Jesus tells the story that you heard read. Jesus tells the story of a, of a wealthy man. And don't worry, this applies to every single one of us. He tells the story of this wealthy man who has an abundance of crops, and because of that, he's good to go. He is financially set. And yet, hear me say this, the way that he handles his finances drives him away from the heart of God. Did you hear that? There's a way that we can handle our finances that will actually drive us away from the heart of God. And yet, some of you, I'll just stop right here. Some of you are thinking right now, okay, here we go, another sermon about money. Gee whiz, first Sunday back and that's what you have to talk about, right? Some of you, your, your, your worst nightmares are coming true because you've been away from the church for a while and you have this fear that all they ever do at church and all pastors ever do is talk about money, right? Well, I've got good news for you. This is not going to be a normal sermon about money because I think there's two realities that I want to point out just to clear the air. Whenever we talk about church and we ever talk about money, there are two ditches I believe that we can fall into, two extremes that we go to. And God says, find the narrow road. Go down, right down the middle of the road. Don't go to one extreme or the other. One extreme when it comes to talking about money and our relationship with God, and particularly in the church, is that we just avoid it. (laughs) We don't talk about it at all. Some of you have been a part of a church for a long time, and they never talk about money. It's like, oh, we can talk about the Bible, we can talk about prayer, but yeah, there's this spiritual discipline known as tithing and giving, and let's not talk about that because, you know, heaven forbid we we offend anybody because Jesus never offended anybody, Right? Wait a minute, he did all the time. If you're reading your Bible and you're not being offended or challenged or rubbed the wrong way once in a while, we may not be reading our Bibles correctly. Jesus didn't set out to offend people. It's just when we hold up what Jesus says in God's word and we hold up our lives, sometimes they don't match up if you're anything like me. And there's a little bit of friction there. They should rub against each other. You should be challenged. And so that's the first extreme that we go to is we, we don't want any challenge. We, we just want to say, I just want to come. I don't want to talk about money. Let's not deal with that at church. Let's keep that separate. Well, wait a minute. This morning we just said, all to Jesus I surrender except my finances, right? It's discipleship, folks. It's a spiritual discipline to talk about finances. We don't want to fall in that extreme. So what we do is we want to avoid that. So we go to the other extreme. And a lot of churches and a lot of pastors will talk about it all the time. And some of you have had terrible experiences with the church where you've been made to feel so guilty and ashamed and you've been at all these weird phony tricks and antics and all this pressure has been put on you that maybe you're not a good enough Christian if you can't give enough. If the mission and the focus of the church has become about money and budgets and buildings, we have lost our way. The mission of God is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And money and finances and buildings and budgets are tools to do that, but they are never the main point. Amen? So I want you to hear me on that. And yet, that's not the ditch we want to fall into either. The good news is, is that neither of those extremes are in the Bible. Instead, Jesus offers us a third way. Not only does Jesus confront the topic of money head on, in the Gospels, Jesus talks more about money than heaven and hell combined. More than a lot of other things that we elevate up. And we think, oh, you know, John, you can talk to us about reading the Bible and prayer and coming to worship and serving the poor and things like that, but let's keep money out of it. Well, 
I wouldn't be a very good pastor if I never told you to do any spiritual disciplines. And giving is a part of that. And tithing is a part of that. And so Jesus confronts it head on. Why? Because he knows that money can so easily get tangled up and get its hooks in us and become the most important thing. And yet Jesus never talks about money in the context of guilt or pressure. Always, always get this in the context of the heart. If you ever hear a sermon about what you should do, well, we're leaning more into the law than the gospel. If you ever hear a sermon about money without talking about the heart, we have missed the point. Because if you think about it, that's where everything comes from, right? We read in Proverbs, it's the wellspring of life. Our, our behaviors, our motivations, everything that we believe is in our hearts. 100% of the time, our beliefs determine our behaviors. You show me your life, I show you my life, that will show you what I really believe. If we never pray, we probably don't believe that God answers prayer. If we really believe that God answers prayer, we'd be praying all the time. If we really believe that we can trust God with our money, we might be a lot more generous. Our behaviors always follow our beliefs. So in that case, when it comes to money, if we believe that our, uh, everything we have is actually ours, it's mine, I've, I've earned it, and our true security is found in keeping as much of it as I can to myself, I'm going to live a very stingy life. I'm going to live a constant fear and, and, and worry trying to protect what I have. Instead, believe it or not, God wants to help us. Scripture is not some ancient wisdom sitting on a shelf. There's practical wisdom in it. And so God gives us this app, no, not for your phone, but for your life. He gives us this app for giving called a tithe. Everybody say tithe. tithe. One of these weird biblical words that's brought up in the Old Testament all the time, this command that God gives to his people, that out of 100% of everything that you have, we're called to give the first 10% or a tithe back to God. Back to God. So think about it this way in a kind of a, a visual sense, I guess, in a pie chart sense. If everything that you have is in that pie chart, that's 100% of everything that you have. And by the way, Jesus repeats this over and over and acknowledges this law and says this is good over and over and over. If 100% of what you have is right here, God says give the first 10% to me. Now, when I say that, some of you are like, geez. And I'm barely making, I'm barely providing right now. 10% is a tall order. Maybe you're just in debt and you struggle with that. And I would encourage you to take uh, Financial Peace University here this fall. It's helped so many people. Some of you are like, man, 10% is a tall order. Some of, but that's because we're looking at this with a perspective that this is mine and I'm going to give 10% to God. But yet we read in scripture that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It was never ours in the first place. It is strictly on loan to us. How would you look at tithing and giving differently if you thought, instead of it's all mine and I'm giving 10% to God, no, it's all God's and he is so generous with us that he's letting us steward 90% of it and he just asks for the first 10%. Some of you are like, wow, God's God. Like, why does he need our money? Let me just say this. God doesn't need your money. <laughs> he's God. It's not really about money. It's about your heart. And the reason that God calls us and that Jesus affirms this in the New Testament to tithe, number one, is to remind us that it's not ours. Number two, to remind you that our security is not found in how much we have. And number three, get this, so he can increase your joy. The most joyful people in this church give, not just of their treasure, 
but of their time and their talents as well. The most joyful people give, the most joyful people serve. So in a way of thinking about this, that's kind of a lot to take in. I want to make it really practical because apps are very practical. So I want to give you an easy way to think about giving, to think about tithing. It's three Ps, and the first one is priority. Everybody say priority. Priority. So we talked about this, right? God says make it a priority, not when you've done all the other things. And just let me say this. If you are struggling to get by, if you cannot provide for yourself and your family, do that before you give anything to the church. Take care of your family. That is what God has called you to do. However, a lot of us are in a place where we're doing okay and we can give and we, we, God has given us blessings. And so make it a priority. Make it the first fruits, not an afterthought, not the leftovers, okay? Not after everything else has been taken care of and you've got your Starbucks fix for the month. First, right? And I'm just as guilty as that as anybody, right? I'm front in that line. Secondly, not only called to make it a priority, it's about a percentage. Everybody say percentage. So scripture is super helpful. It doesn't just say give. God says give a tithe. Start with 10%. And some of you are saying that's really difficult. Start with 1%. If you're not giving at all, start with 1% and experience the blessings of God. If you're at 1%, try 3%. And again, this isn't about me asking for your money. It's not about God asking for your money. It's about your heart and having a heart that's whole and healthy and the spiritual discipline of reminding yourself, nothing is mine. I have everything that I need in Jesus. So percentage. Some of you maybe can work up to 10%. Some of you are at 10% and you could do 15. In fact, a couple years ago, I was, uh, well, several years ago now, I was working at a church out in Colorado. We did a sermon series about money and I was preaching that day and a guy, a gentleman, older gentleman came up to me and I didn't ask for this. He just started to tell me and explain to me that God has blessed him. He's in a really good spot. He's financially stable and God has given him so much that he wants to give back. And he just said this, John, I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to tell you this. If I, if I gave to the church any less than 20%, I would be robbing so many people of the blessings that that could provide, and I would be robbing myself of so much joy that God has for me to experience. <laughs> what? Do you hear the complete reversal of how we often think about it? It's usually what do I have to give? What do I need to give? Do I have to read my Bible? Do I have to pray? Do I have to go to church today? He's completely flipped that on his head and said, what can I do? I get to give. And I want to experience more joy and more freedom that comes with giving. And so if that's you, give more. Percentages. And last but not least, like we just talked about, everybody say progressive. No, not the insurance, but progressive giving. It's just what we talked about. Give a little bit more, give a little bit more. Again, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And I, take him up on this. I challenge you to do that. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a part of growing in our faith in Jesus Christ. No guilt, no pressure. And you can do that here at Hope Des Moines. It's super convenient. My wife and I just do it online, and we don't even think about it. Then it's, we know it's a priority. We know it's number one. And you can do that too. You can go online. Anything you give here stays here. You can give it to our, our general fund. And I just want to put in a plug for uh, our giving campaign, Building Hope Together. A lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, three years ago, we started this giving campaign to support the, the purchase and the, the renovation of this church that we're sitting in right now. And the reason I bring it up is because half of you weren't here three years ago. Praise God for that. We've doubled in the last two to three years. How about that? So cool. Praise God. And so this is new, and you can go on our website and go to the Building Hope Together site and get involved with that as well. That concludes in the end of this year, in December of 2016, and we're excited about that. So a lot of ways to get involved with that. But again, our, our motto, our theme here has always been, pray about it. Nobody will ever, ever at Lutheran Church of Hope tell you what you should give. 
ever. That is completely between you and God. I have no idea, and I will never know. I don't want to know. It is completely between you and God because it is an act of the heart, of generosity. 2 Corinthians 9 says, God loves a cheerful giver. And if you cannot give without absolute joy, don't give. <laughs> don't give. There's no place for guilt or pressure, anything at Lutheran Church of Hope. We want you to give out of the joy of your heart, as we say every single week. It's about the heart. God wants your heart, which is the whole point of our story today in Luke chapter 12. So hop back to the story if you've gone somewhere else. Luke chapter 12 and skip down to verse 16. It says, as he, and Jesus told him this parable, the, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. You think it's about money and possessions. The story is really about the heart. In his moment of abundance, he's got a decision to make. Am I going to hoard it and keep it to myself, or am I going to open up my heart and give it away? Abundance is a relative term, folks. Wealth is a relative term. If you've read any statistics or know anything about our world today, you, we, me, we are richer than 99% of the people in this world. We are so rich. We have it so good. We have a roof over our heads. You know where you're going to get your next meal. You are able to come to worship today without fear. All those things are huge blessings, and we take them for granted all the time. Wealth is, relevant, is relative. And in our story today, you can think, oh, it's all about being rich. God's talking about your heart. How is your heart? This story is not really about money. In fact, if you dig a little deeper, it's actually about this biblical idea of idols or idolatry. And I, when I say that, some of you are thinking, oh, John, I know, isn't uh, idols, aren't those things in the Old Testament, like God's people are out there wandering around and they didn't want God to be their God, so then they made these statues of gold or they made like a bronze, you know, cow or unicorn or something and like, oh, now we're going to worship that or something, right? And I'm guessing that if I went home with any of you today and we walked up, there's not a golden calf sitting in your front yard or anything. I hope if there is... Uh, let's talk about that. We pray, come on up for prayer afterwards. We should, we should talk about that. But that's what we think of when we think of idols. But let me give you a different definition in terms of our story today. Idols are an object of your affection higher than God. Anything in your life that is higher, more important, that sits on the throne of your heart, that gets your love and affection. What, we all worship something. What are you worshiping? What do you love more than anything else? So maybe we do have idols. Maybe there are things in our life. And to help get at that, I want to do a little exercise today. This will kind of come at it in a little bit more enjoyable way. What I want you to do is turn to your neighbor right now, and I want you to start thinking, what do you love the most? What are you passionate about? What do you absolutely love doing? If money was no object, and I said, go do that, what would you go do? If you had a free week, a free weekend, a free day, what would you go do? What's on the top of your heart? What's on the tip of your tongue? What are you passionate about? What do you love? What do you love talking about? What do you love doing more than anything else? Okay? So start thinking about that. Turn to your neighbor and each of you share a couple. So just go back and forth. Don't think about it. Just share. Turn to your neighbor. What do you love the most? Tell them. All right. 
here dying down a little bit. I think we got a pretty good idea. So even if you're not done, hopefully you got a couple uh, out there. So what I want you to do, I think I trust most of you to yell some of these out. Just remember, you're in church, people. Be appropriate uh, here. Uh, and don't lie. If you, if you don't want to admit that you said something, you can elbow your neighbor and have them yell it out for you. Or you can yell out your neighbors or vice versa if you're too ashamed to say uh, what yours was. So just yell some out and we'll write them up here on the board. What did you, what did you hear? What, what do you love? What's that? Disneyland. Wow. What a way to start. Who doesn't love Disneyland? I have terrible handwriting. Awesome. What else? Broccoli? Traveling. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. You know what? I'm going to write broccoli up there. I have no idea how to spell broccoli. Who doesn't love broccoli? What else? Family. What was the other one? Working at camp, awesome, beautiful. What else? Keep them coming. Music, Music. good one. Hobbies. Hobbies. Facebook. It's not what I was expecting, but good. Okay, what else? Festivals. Festivals. Whoa, yes, good word. Fest. The si- oh. What else? What else? Anything else? Food? Yeah. Food? We heard some foods. Okay. The last two services, somebody from the back, from the cheap seats, has yelled out, Pokemon Go. (laughs) What's that? Worship. Good one. Thank you. I needed something to come back from that. No Pokemon Go. So, okay, we'll stop there. We could go on and on and on. Here's the thing. I want you to look at that list. I want you to think about everything that's in your head or yours, what you thought of. There is nothing, nothing on that list that is bad, except the C word down at the bottom that somebody mentioned from Ames. There's nothing, there's nothing, anything wrong with that list. God doesn't hate it. All this is good, and I love that you love it. And you should have seen yourself when I had you do that activity. There's so much energy and, and excitement, and, and you just shared it. You're like, yeah, this is normal. It's on the tip of your tongue. If you could talk about anything, you would do that. If you could share it with anybody, you would do that. It's on the top of your heart. It's what you're passionate about. And what I want to describe to you this morning is that the opposite of idolatry, the opposite of idolatry is saying anything that's in my life, more important that I love anything else, is that I love Jesus Christ and I am not ashamed to say it. Amen? That's the opposite of it. As our story says in verse 21, being rich in a relationship with God. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with him? Not a religion, not a thing you do on the weekends. Do you love him more than anything else? And hear me say this. One of the devil's greatest tricks or tactics is not, I'm going to try to get you to do some big, bad, horrible sin. Like, yes, he does that. But more often than not, as followers of Jesus, where we get tripped up is all these other things get elevated above God. And that's idolatry as well. Even your spouse, even your family, even activities and sports. What if we were the kind of church that was known for being madly in love with Jesus Christ? I just can't contain it. I can't keep it inside. That's the opposite. That's where 
we kind of missed the mark. This guy missed the mark in our story today. The opposite of that is Paul saying in Philippians, whatever more, I consider everything else a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. I love my spouse. I love my kids. I love my hobbies. Even I love my comfort zone. But I love Jesus more. And he supersedes all of that, being rich in God. And when, we've been, when we're so rich in God, we've been given everything, all the hope we could ever ask for, all the peace we could ever need, all the love, all the joy. Folks, we have been given in exchange for our death, life with God forever, eternal life. We have been given everything. We are filthy rich in God, and it has nothing to do with how much money you have today. We have everything that we could ever need, and the question is, what are you going to do with it? Faith is a very personal thing, but it was never meant to be a private thing. What are you going to do with what God has given to you? The truth is, for those of us that are following Jesus today, just like the man in our story, our barns are full. Our barns are overflowing with the blessings and the gifts of God. What are you going to do with it? And I'm not just talking about money. Yes, your treasure, but also your time and your talents and your gifts and your abilities and your experiences. For some of you, your leadership gifts, the things that God has given you. What are you doing? Are you going to be like the man and just hoard it to yourself? So afraid of what might happen if you step out in faith? Today, God is over here calling you, and you're over here in your zone called comfort. And it's much easier to stay over here. And God is saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm nudging you. I'm calling you over, over, and over again. When are you going to step out and be who I've called you to be? Or are you going to live your life in fear? Our barns are overflowing. Don't miss it. Don't miss the point of Christianity. Are you going to open up your heart and give it away. I hear people say a couple things all the time. One, I want to grow. John, how do I grow in my faith? And number two, they say, John, I really want to serve. I know there's so many of you that are here today. You're here at Hope Des Moines. You're here in the city because you want to make a difference. And you know that you can. You can get your hands messy in people's lives. You want to make a difference and make an impact. I hear so many people say that. So I say, okay, well, here you go. We've got Breakfast Club every single week. There are close to 100 people that eat breakfast here that we bus in from seven different shelters every single week. And every week, we need more help for that. There's more and more people that want to come. There's people that call and want to come to worship, and we don't have a way to get them here right now. We need people to go with and help pick them up and serve the food and lead the Bible studies. And I say that, and I'll say every week, we have not just once a year in our big vacation Bible school, every week there's dozens and dozens of kids at both of these services on Sunday that need adults who love Jesus with them as shepherds and teachers. And it is not rocket science, folks, to love kids and tell them about Jesus in our Hope Kids program every single week. I say there's people that want to join a small group and that they, they don't have enough confidence to lead and they're young in their faith. And I'm looking around, I'm seeing all these people that have so much gifts and experiences and maturity and wisdom, and yet we don't have a lot of leaders. <laughs> there's people that want to get in groups and we just need people to lead them. And I, I get done telling people this and from time to time, I'll hear, oh, you know, it's just not really a good time for us right now. You know, I, I just not a good season for us. I, I just don't think I know enough to do I'm still kind of new here. I, seems really hard. After eight years of ministry here at Hope, I can honestly say, I can honestly say, sometimes we call mission hard 
when it's really just inconvenient or uncomfortable. Sometimes we call mission hard when it's just inconvenient or uncomfortable. And let me say this, if we ever get comfortable as a church, something is really wrong. I'm constantly going to be pushing you because Jesus is constantly pushing me. Don't get comfortable. Don't sit back in your safe little church building here. There is a world that is hurting out there. There are people sitting next to you in these worship services that need community desperately. Will you go to them? I'm looking out at some of these people and saying, but your barn is full. (laughs) It's overflowing. And you're keeping it to yourself. And we have an incredible opportunity to do that starting tomorrow night, not tomorrow morning, tomorrow night for Vacation Bible School. There's going to be over uh, hundreds of kids in this building, volunteers, dancing and singing their hearts out to God. It, it basically turns into a revival. It's amazing. And the skits and the games and the crafts and the food, everything. It's so much fun. And we don't want you to miss it. And I know how easy it is when you hear VBS, some of you are like, oh, I know, it's like for people that are really in shape and wild and crazy and have all this energy and dance around it. It's for you. I can confidently say that. It's for you. There are so many different roles behind the scenes, high impact, low impact, hands-on, not hands-on, with the kids, without the kids. We would love to have your help. We don't want you to miss it. And if you're ever wondering why we do what we do, you know, like why all this stuff? Why do we go to this extent? Why do we work on this for months? A couple years ago, I got a letter from a little girl, an eight-year-old girl and her mom after attending VBS here. This is why it matters. And this is in her writing. She says, Dear Hope Church, I love that. We can be whatever, you know, Hope Church, Hope Des Moines, whatever you want us to be. She says, I wanted to write you a note to say that at first, when I came to Bible school, I was really scared because my friend Maddie invited me and I'd never been to a church before. I'd never been to church. And there was lots of new people. But now that Bible school is over, I'm so happy that I got to come. Because I'd never known that God is always with me. Even when I feel alone. So my mom and dad don't live together anymore. And so this has been a really hard summer for me. But one day, Maddie gave me a hug after VBS and said, Matt said, Ashley, it's going to be okay. Just remember what we learned at VBS, that God will never leave you. I'm so glad that my friend Maddie asked me to come. P.S. I didn't know we were allowed to dance in church, but I like it. That was the best part. Love, Ashley. If you wonder why we do what we do, that's it. If one kid this next week leaves here with a greater understanding of the love that God has for them, all our skits, all the songs, all the dancing, all the shenanigans are totally worth it. I would do it all over again. I would do it all over again. And we just want you to come along for the ride. We don't want you to miss what God is doing. Don't just be here on the weekends. you got to check out. you got to be a part of our community and see what's going on. And that's why we do what we do, because kids need to know that. Whether it's going and helping and picking them up on the bus, 
or backpacks and school supplies or hanging out with them this week. Who are you going to invite? I'm so glad that that eight-year-old girl got invited. Our three-year-old son, Caleb, invited our neighbor, another three-year-old boy, via FaceTime. So, there's no excuses. Are you grandparents? Who are your grandkids? Your nieces, your nephews, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, who needs to be invited here to hear about the love of Jesus? And again, go talk to Tiffany, go talk to Amanda at the booth in the back afterwards, and they'd love to connect with you. We do VBS because kids need to know the love of Jesus. We do VBS because it's for adults too, and you're going to grow in your faith like never before. And last but not least, we do VBS because we really don't like to take ourselves too seriously. The ability to have any sense of pride in ourselves ended a long time ago, so now we just goof off. And kids love it. And I'll do it all over again if those kids know about the love of Jesus. And so we have people that are uh, song leaders and all that and everything, and uh, your pastors are going to be dressed up in crazy Olympic outfits this week. Folks, your pastors might be wearing tights this week, and if that's not reason enough to come, you need to come to VBS. So one thing, though, is that a lot of you are sitting there still thinking, you know, I just don't know if I could ever do that. I don't, I don't know if I can come to VBS. Well, good for you. We're bringing VBS to you today. So I'm going to invite up some of our uh, song leaders and our dancers that are going to help us out. And I would love it if you stood up, and we're going to have a little VBS action right now. So go ahead and stand on up. Yep, this is for you. Okay. That's for everybody. Turn, your, gonna... neighbor, turn your neighbor right now and say, uh, you're not too cool. Just tell them that right now. You're not too cool. You're not this too is, cool. This is for everybody. Tiffany's going to teach good. it to you, and then we're going to do it together. Here. 